Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Get your Bibles and let's go to the book of Ephesians this evening. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. Ephesians 1 and 6. We're going to talk again about the will of God. We're taking our text from Ephesians and several passages in this great book. Verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to his good pleasure, the mystery of his goodwill. He's made it known. And so I'm just going to talk to you tonight about the mystery of his will revealed. The mystery of his will revealed. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight and we thank you, God, for this opportunity. Lord, we need your help in this place tonight. God, help us to speak something that will feed your flock Bless the people of God tonight. We're going to give you the praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. How many of you remember playing that game when you were a child? Warmer? Colder? Anybody remember playing that game? That was a fun game. Yeah, we're going to look for something. You hide something, then they come back in, and, and they start looking for it, and it said, you're warmer, and you're colder. You're freezing, and get warmer, warmer. Now you're hot, you're hot, you're you're real close to it. Well, knowing the will of God, it's not like playing that game. Like I can say, well, I'm warmer, colder, and I had a pastor friend that told me one time. His wife said, "Honey, that was a warm message." And then he said that really made him feel good until he went and looked up the word warm in the dictionary, and it means not so hot. I don't want just the warm will of God. I don't want to just get feel like I'm getting colder or closer or nearer or far. I want to know what the will of the Lord is to be revealed to me. Amen. The will of God is like the glory of God. It gets bigger and more brilliant than we could ever comprehend. The will of God for your life is bigger and better than you know. Amen. The greatest theological minds has to humble themselves to discover the will of God. The most astute Bible scholars, they need the revelation of the mystery of his will because there's a lot of people that know his word, but they haven't yet discovered the mystery of his will found in his word. 
God is big. His will is big. His scope is staggering. His ways are beyond us knowing. Yet he reveals to us landmarks and he reveals to us his way that perhaps at some point in time we get to know what the will of the Lord is, we will then obey that will. To some it is a mystery now, but to us it is the revealed will of God. Amen. James C. Howe, an author, wrote this. He said, if we grapple honestly and faithfully with the will of God, we will not emerge with simplicity, black and white tidbits of truth, in our culture of sound bites and instant messaging and tweets, we may feel disappointed when the easy answer we sought would suffice flutter to the ground like dead leaves. The will of God is not in a capsule that you can take. It's not in just in a quick little, little uh, message, but it is comprehensive and glorious. I want to talk to you about four different revelations of his will. There are perhaps many areas we could have gone in, but I want to follow along the theme of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians and a few other places to talk about the will of God. Four revelations of his will. Number one, his will is for everyone to be saved. Everyone to be saved. He doesn't have a select few that he's already predetermined. And no matter what happens to their will or what they do, they're going to be saved regardless. And those that are predetermined to be lost forever, there are those that preach that as one of the most damnable doctrines in all of the world. Because there are people today that will have it in their mind, I can be saved regardless. And there are some that will say, I, can, I will be lost regardless. But let me tell you what the Word says. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, not willing that any should perish. Not just a select few should perish, but not willing that any should perish, but that all, somebody say all, all should come to repentance. Amen. My heart was broken tonight as I was leaving my office and went out to the, 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 the vehicle to look for something. And, and a young man that I did not recognize, do not know who he was, uh, he said something to me. And I asked him, I said, what's that? And he said, yeah, I'm going to go over D. I asked him how he was doing, and he said, I'm going to go OD. I'm going to OD, I'm going to overdose myself. I didn't know if he was joking or if he was being truthful or what the case was, but I immediately began to pray for the young man and, and how sad. It's not his will that that, that man be, that he be lost. It's not his will that any should perish. So here's what you need to know tonight is that every person that is lost, pray that they be saved because that's the will of God. That is the will of God. I don't care how bad they are, how far they are, how ugly they are, how, how desperate they are, how lost they are. It is not his will that any should perish. So don't stop praying for your lost loved one. Don't stop praying for that backslider. Don't stop. Keep on reaching because you're in the will of God when you pray. God is will, God's will is for all to be saved. Amen. Not anyone to perish. 
In Matthew 18 and 14, Jesus said, Even so, it's not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's not his will. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who would have all men. How many men? All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's will that you be saved. It is God's will that you that you know him. It's his God's will that you be redeemed. Amen. There are those that want to have a re- recreational relationship with God where they're, they're going to go to church and hold hands with him and then go live a life of, of, of lost and undone. But God doesn't want you just to be blessed. God doesn't want you just to be uh, ch- attending church. He wants you to be saved saved. Amen. God doesn't have a side hustle. He has saved and lost. Can you let the soberness of that thought hit your mind and your spirit today? He has a saved and a lost. Amen. So first and foremost, this is the will of God that everyone should be redeemed, born again, and set free from sin. Amen. Can I just remind you tonight, this is the will of God. This is the will of God that he has revealed in his word over and over again. Having faith is not enough. Believing is not enough. The devils believe and tremble. God wants to completely, radically transform our life. That's why it's called being born again. Church attendance is not enough. Singing in the choir is not enough. Leading in a church service is not enough. Being a a, a part of a ministry is not enough. You must be born again. That's God's will. That's God's will that you be saved. Number two, the mystery of his will revealed is he wants you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Filled. Not a little dab of do you, but fill. That's his will. Pick up the reading in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will is. Of the Lord is. What is that? The next verse says it. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You have a choice here. The writer says, under the anointing and unction of the God-breathed word. Amen. He says, you have a choice. Wine of this world or the Holy Spirit. What are you going to be filled with? What are you going to be filled with? It is God's will that you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. God plans for his people to be spirit-led and spirit-filled. It's God's will for you to be full and running over. Not just a dab, not just a little tad, not just a little drop, but oh God, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. In the book of Acts, it says repeatedly over and over again that they were Full of the Holy Ghost. Anybody want to be full of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight? You want to? I don't need just a blessing. I don't need to just shout and run the aisles. But I need to be full of the Holy Ghost. He said it's His will. <laughs> it's His will. 
Oh, thank God for that. It is unwise for us to attempt to live our life outside of God's Spirit and being saturated by God's Spirit. I'm telling you today, we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit. It's not just part of the initial salvation. And I realize today there is a lot of confusion about the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues as a gift of the Spirit. Amen. But what I'm talking about today is not about necessarily the, that gift of the Spirit as speaking in tongues, but the baptism of the Holy Ghost that happens when you begin to speak out as his spirit gives you utterance. Amen. When, when they saw them in the book of Acts, what did they say? Why are they drunk? Anybody got some drunks in your family? You don't have to raise your hand. Ever had to deal with drunks in your family? Mm. My dad tells a story that I never met my grandfather, his father, never met him. He passed away before I was born. But he told the story that he hated drunks. He, he just had problems with some drunks and grew up in situations. So if somebody's drunk, he just said he didn't have any patience for them. He didn't have any. And, 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 and can I tell you, when, when somebody's drunk, they're going to show that intoxication, one way or another. Some will get real happy. Some will get real mad. Some will get all kinds of ways, you know. But uh, So my grandfather had a brother that was a was very bad drinker. He was just come home drunk, and one night he got home drunk, and he was just creating a scene, and my grandfather picked him up and put him over his shoulder and let, carried him out to the barn where they just cleaned the stall. And what they cleaned the stall out of was a pile of stuff over here. And he picked him up and threw a bin. Because he was under the influence and was acting a certain way that they didn't like. Well, let me just tell you that that same uncle, that very same uncle that he threw in a pile of manure, was the uncle that some years later... An apostolic preacher came through the community, cut down a tree, nailed a board on it, and that was his pulpit, and began to preach. And my uncle got drunk and said, I'm going to drive him out of town. I'm going to go get this guy. I'm going to drive him out. He's not going to preach. And so when he got there, he, 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 he come back and he told my, my grandfather, Henry, he said, they got a barbed wire fence around that place and I can't get to that preacher. And he said he was cut up. He had blood on his arms where he was cut up. The next night he went down there sober to see if that barbed wire fence was there and it wasn't there. And he began to listen to the preacher. And by the third night he was, he was close enough that the Holy Ghost hit him as he was sitting on a log, fell off into the, into the, into the, the dirt there and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. And the same man that was thrown into the, the manure now went back to the, the, the moonshine steel that he had made and destroyed it, destroyed all of his booze. He didn't sell it, didn't give it away. Why? Because there's a difference between drunk in this world and being drunk in the Holy Ghost. A person who is drunk is under the influence. If you're driving while 
drunk in our nation, you have, have a DUI. You'll get a DUI or a DII, WI, I don't remember exactly. Drunk while intoxicated. Anybody want to live while intoxicated with the Holy Ghost? I want to live while intoxicated. This is the analogy that Paul is giving here about control and about being intoxicated. The Holy Spirit ought to be what we look out after to be filled with. It's the will of God that you and I are under the influence, that you're under the influence. And then he began to list certain things that show what, what happens when you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know what? When you're under the influence, there will be a song of praise and worship on your lips. Hallelujah, song of praise and worship. That is being under the influence. Amen. It's the evidence that the Spirit is controlling your life, not this world. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what is another evidence of being under the influence? A thankful attitude. A grateful heart. An attitude of gratitude is an influence of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, he said, Submitted yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A mutual honor and submission to everyone is an evidence that you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. It is a voluntary attitude in giving in to cooperation, responsibility of carrying one another's burden, if you please. Submission is evidence of the Holy Ghost. Then he goes into, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands, even as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Well, Lord, it's really good that you're doing all that other stuff, but don't, you mean I'm going to be under the influence in my family life? It's the will of God. Husbands, love your wives as, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, verse 25. And then we find in verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband Amen. There is an intoxication that can even show up in your marriage. It'll show up in your family. Look at the next verse, uh, uh, or chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Amen. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. That's the evidence. You see the intoxication here? You see the influence of the Holy Spirit here? Amen. It's that when you get drunk, you start acting different. Because you're under the influence. It's the will of God that you be filled. Somebody say it's through his will that I be filled. That's his will. And he said in verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know how somebody is under the influence 
of the Holy Spirit is that they begin to influence their children and train their children and educate their children so that they will make correct decisions. Amen. That will help correct them in curbing their passions and correcting their mistakes and increasing their virtue. That's what nurture means. It is the will of God to raise your children correctly. That's the will of God. While the church is very important and essential in raising the child, the church isn't the responsibility, the responsible one to raise children. It's parents. Amen? It is your God-given mandate to mold the character of your child. That's why you need to be drunk with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We teach them how to behave at home, at church, at Walmart, at school. None of this go to school and act one way and come to church and act another. Not drunk of the Holy Ghost. The admonition of the Lord means to recognize goodness and also teach them how to hate evil. It is, it is the will of God to teach our children to be discerning. Teach our kids how to be discerning. Teach our kids if something comes on uh, 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 that, that show you're streaming and it is anti-Christ, you teach them right there. We're not going to watch that because that is anti-Christ. That is anti-God. That is anti-family. And we're going to not watch that anymore. Can I just tell you the more and more that this whole culture is so messed up in this junk that the less and less there is to watch. Amen. It's the will of God that your children be taught how to discern. But he doesn't stop there. He talks about in verse 5 of chapter 6, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but listen to this, but servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will. Doing service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Amen. There ought to be evidence in our work life that we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God that if you are an employee, to be a good employee. If you are an employer, it is the will of God for you to be a good employer. Do it as unto the work of the Lord. Amen. You can't do your job as unto the Lord and be a horrible witness at the same time. You can't do your work as unto the Lord and be in an ungodly life at the same time. You can't just tell a bunch of junk and talk all the stories and, and filthy jokes and all that kind of get into that mess and then be a witness at the same time. Be a good, I believe that apostolic people ought to be the best employees in the world. They ought to progress quicker than anyone else because of their character and because of their integrity. Amen. Remember the focus of the discussion back in chapter 5 and verse 8 is continuing here. 
It is being filled with the Spirit and the impact that it has. No wonder the Lord said, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. What is the will of God? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you don't know anything else to pray, oh God, fill me completely with your Holy Spirit, and then Holy Spirit, teach me and guide me. Holy Spirit, come upon me. Amen. What am I going to do then? I'm going to have a song in my heart. I want to have an attitude of thankfulness. I'll be submitted to one another. I have proper behavior at home, raising children right and doing business right. This is the will of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's God's will for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's God's will for everyone to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Number three, the mystery of his will revealed. It's God's will that you and I are totally surrendered to God. All in. Totally surrendered. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Somebody say all. All of me. That's God's will. God's will is for me to have all of me all in love with him and surrender to him. It is our human nature to fight and resist against all that God wants in our life. It is with that crazy kind of love that we can have, that love that consumes us, that makes living for God easier. If you're all in and totally surrendered, it will be easier to live for God than to try to do it, as I said a while ago, as some side hustle. In John 14 and 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here's the dilemma that a lot of people face today. They can act and dress and look like the commandments. And the desire then is to prove that they love God to everybody else and everybody can see them. But this is why they wrestle with standards in church. They have obedience, but they haven't really got a hold of that love part. Amen. I like what the Revised Standard Version says of of John 14 and 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we fall head over heels in love with him, amen, not only will we keep his commandments, we will love keeping his commandments. It becomes a joy. It is not a burden. It's not a bondage. That's why it's his will that I be totally surrendered, totally give in to him because then his commandments are not grievous but glorious. When we keep his commandments to prove our love for him, we become legalist. When we are crazy in love with Jesus, then we become automatic and filled with his power to keep his commandments. That is relationship. So I need to be very careful that I'm all in surrendered for relationship, not just as a legalist. Look at Acts 13 and 22. And when he removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, 
after my own heart. Somebody say love. That's what it is. He really loves me. He really loves me. Why all the Psalms and the worship? He really loved the Lord. And do you realize he made a mistake? He committed sin. He did wrong. Oh, but he still didn't stop loving God. He made it right and walked back with the Lord. But he said, he's a man after my own heart. That's love. And then he said, which shall fulfill my will. That is obedience. David capsules for us what it looks like to be surrendered to the Lord. He did not see the commandments of the Lord as a ball and chain around his ankle. But he saw rather that his heart was connected to God's heart. His passion was after God. His yearning was for God. Amen. David sees God's commandments not as a personal restraint to his lifestyle, but rather a pathway to grow relationship. David said, thy testimonies are also my delight. Amen. He said, I will delight myself in all thy commandments. I will delight myself in thy statues. I will not forget your word. Amen. Loving God is the first and greatest commandment for a reason. Because if I love God, I will love my brother. If I love God, I will love my neighbor. If I love God, then I will do his will. It's a revelation. Total surrender. Somebody say all in. That's the will of God. Number four, God's will is for us to be holy. I'm not teaching you anything you don't know, but I want to remind you about the will of God. God's will is for us to be holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication and that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Amen. God's will is that every one of us should possess, possess our, our vessels in sanctification and honor. It's not somebody else's fault. It's my responsibility. To possess myself in sanctification, set apart, and in honor. What you and I do with our bodies, what we do with our minds, what we do with our activities, what we do with our hobbies and habits, amen, ought to look different when our passions are subdued by sanctification. God doesn't force us uh, 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 into holiness, but he calls us into holiness, amen. God does not force us into righteousness, but he gives us his righteousness. He fills us with his righteousness. Amen. Can I just tell you today, there are some decisions you and I will never have to pray about. A young church-going, Bible-believing young man doesn't have to pray about premarital sex. Amen. A married couple doesn't have to pray about swapping partners. The culture that we are in has lost its moral compass. 
Hollywood promotes and glamorizes these kind of activities. Amen. And even worse. One of the new trends is, is to portray Christians as, 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 as Hitlers and <clears throat> Bible-thumping, mean-spirited bigots. But this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that you should know how to handle yourself in and your body possessing your vessel, your body possessing your mind in sanctification and, and in honor. Somebody say it's the will of God. Oh, that this generation would learn that this world is out to destroy us, but it's the will of God that I abstain. I don't flirt with, I don't flirt with pornography. I'm going to flirt with this, this, this looking around business, but I want to abstain from it. Why? I go back to the verse, first one. He saved me. <laughs> he filled me. I'm completely his, and therefore I'm bought with the price. I want to be holy like him. My body belongs to God. Somebody say, my body belongs to God. Hallelujah. I've seen how it destroy a person. I've seen how sin destroys a family, a church, a, a, a marriage, a, an individual. Oh, God, I want to be holy before you. Lord, I want to be pure before you. Let my mind be right before you. Let my thoughts, oh, God, before you be right. Let what I watch be right before you, oh, God, because I belong to you. You remember this verse, we read it quite often because it's full of great power. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of God. Why? So that you can prove what is that good acceptable, and perfect will of God. This verse teaches us that the will of God is progress, process, process and progress. When it comes to knowing and following the will of God, we've got to be willing to embrace the process. I don't know all of it yet, but I'm going to keep on having a renewed mind so I will learn what is that good perfect and acceptable will of God. When it comes to knowing the will of God, I need these things in my life. I need to be born again. I need to be filled with his spirit. I need to be all in. And I must be holy. These are the mysteries revealed. Jesus said in Mark 3 and 35, Whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Whoever does the will of God. Whoever does the will of God. Anybody want to do the will of God? I know I'm talking to a lot of people. Most of you, the majority of you have been born again, filled with the Spirit. You have the Holy Ghost inside of you. Amen. But I want to just remind you, this is the will of God. Amen. Before we get to that place, I want to know, is this job the will of God? Or is this, this relationship the will of God? Perhaps I need to go back to this revelation. 
Am I born again? Am I staying filled with the Spirit? Is my influence, it's, it's what is influencing my intoxication, is it the Spirit? And am I surrendered to Him all in, living a holy life? 1 John 2 and 17. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Oh, can you rejoice in that today? Would you stand with me, please? Talking about the mystery of God's will revealed in our life. I believe you can know what the will of the Lord is. I believe you know what the will of the Lord is. Amen. Lord, I must follow you. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.